Why Go to Church? Welcome to Stewardship and Romance, a Biblical Marriage and Family Online Training Center. The issue of church will always be a central aspect of family life and marriage life, especially for Christians. But church means something different to everyone. A place of worship, a tradition for Christmas and Easter, a sermon. Today, let's take a look at what God's Word has to say about going to church. So let's get started with why go to church. Why should we go to church? That's a loaded subject. Everyone has their opinion, but what does the Bible have to say about it? Before we get to that, let's first discuss what the word church means. The word church used in scripture comes from the Greek word ekklesia, meaning to call out. This is our first clue that the church is not a building, but a people, the called out ones. So why go to church is technically the wrong question. You don't go to church, you are the church. Besides, for the first 300 years of the church life, there was no church buildings. The church then is not a building, but a people. God's called out ones. But called out for what? Called to see and participate in the kingdom of God. God's kingdom is his rulership. It's his government. It comes anywhere it has been welcomed, starting from within and working its way out. According to what Jesus said in John 3, the only way for an individual to see the kingdom of God is to be born again. Now the kingdom has come within. This is the point that we take on our true identity as members of God's household. And for a little more on identity, go to episode 2, Discover Your True Identity. Of course, this is only the beginning. We don't enter the kingdom and remain children. Ephesians says that God desires to partner with mature sons and daughters to bring his kingdom to the world. By the way, in the New Testament, there are over a hundred images and metaphors about the church. And we're just taking a moment to focus on one idea, the idea that we are God's royal family. So remember the Lord's Prayer. It says, your kingdom come, your will be done as it is in heaven. That's in Matthew 6. The church is God's royal family, those who act as his representatives in the world. 1 Peter 2 says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So with that as a backdrop, let's talk about God's vision and heart for his church. God's vision for his church, in a nutshell, is number one, that we would represent Christ to the world by bearing good fruit and by proclaiming the kingdom of God. John 15 says, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit would remain, so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give to you. So what is fruit that remains? The goal of evangelism is fruit. But for that fruit to remain requires continued prayer, instruction, and help for those who are saved. Colossians says in chapter 1, For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you, and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will, in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, 
that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. That's Colossians 1, 9 and 10. So God's vision for the church is to represent Christ in the world. And secondly, it's to make disciples of all nations. Notice it doesn't say make converts of all nations. It means it's to make disciples. And of course, being a disciple means you first become a convert. But the emphasis is in Matthew 28 is on discipleship. Discipleship begins once an individual realizes they are a sinner, repents of sin, and is born again, and then baptized. And that's uh, the role of the church is to baptize. In Matthew 28, it says, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So let's talk a little bit about God's heart for his church. What are some things that are close to his heart in regards to to the church? In John 17, just before Jesus went to the cross, he prayed quite at length to his father about an issue that was the utmost issue on his heart, and that was unity, our unity, the future unity of his church. So the unity of the church was his utmost concern, and it obviously still is today. Yes, the body of Christ must be one in the essential doctrines of the faith, but we must also learn to walk in harmony with one another. So just before he went to the cross to complete his mission, Jesus prayed, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one, I in them, and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them, even as you loved me. That's John 17. So, unity is doctrinal, but it's also about harmony. Uh, the unity, let's talk about the unity of mind. It's, it is about coming into an agreement. There needs to be a, the agreement aspect. Uh, we can be more unified if we major on what we agree on rather than arguing and dividing over where we disagree. So the question then remains, where do we need to agree? What are the essentials of that agreement? The essential points of the faith are the following. First is the Trinity. We need to all believe that we serve one God in three distinct persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. That's basic. have to agree on that. Secondly, we need to agree on the deity of Christ, that Christ was the Son of God. He was fully man and fully God, not one or the other. Next is the incarnation. We need to all agree that Christ was born of a virgin and he was incarnate word of God he wasn't just a a man not just a great teacher a great prophet but he was actually the son of God next area is sin and redemption we need to all come into agreement that we are all sinners and in need of redemption 
And the last aspect of agreement is the resurrection. We all need to agree that Christ rose from the dead and that we rose with him. So if we can agree on those things, that's going to lead to great unity. But unity also means walking in increasing harmony with one another. Philippians 2 says, being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. 1 Corinthians 1 says that you all agree and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. Romans 12 says, live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Psalm 133 says, Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity. Another aspect of unity is friendship. We need one another. The church is built on friendship, not programs. We need nothing wrong with programs, but it's not primarily based on programs because programs will come and go, but the friendships shouldn't come and go. Those should be permanent things. So friendship is much more central than programs. We need our friends. Someone said this, there are two things you can't do alone. You can't get married alone and you can't be a Christian alone. I agree with that. You can't say you love God, but you don't like his children. God is your father and that makes you brothers and sisters. So what does marriage have to do with church? This is a marriage podcast, so you're probably wondering why we're talking about church. That has nothing to do with it. But here's a quote from Mickey Gumbel from his talk entitled, What About the Church? He says, Marriage is a great analogy of the church. Marriage is like an institution. But if you take marriage as an analogy, if you just have marriage but no love, it's kind of dead and dry. If you just have love without marriage, it's a bit unstable. But if you bring together the love of two people that they have for one another and the institution of marriage, then it is so powerful. And it's the same with the church. If you just have the institution of the church, it can be a bit dry. But if you have the love and fire of the Holy Spirit, the faith, it can be a bit unstable. But bring together the love, the fire, the enthusiasm, and the institution of the church, and it is so strong and powerful. End quote. So, the same unity that God desires for married couples, he wants for his church. A married couple will thrive when they spend more time together, not isolate from one another. So having church in isolation is sort of like a married couple trying to maintain a relationship without spending any time together. It doesn't work because it's not according to God's design. We need each other. Secondly, God's heart is also that we learn to love one another. Why should we assemble together as the church? To demonstrate to the world what the love of God looks like here on earth. Ephesians 4 says, With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. 1 Peter 3.8 Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Romans 1 says, Let love be genuine. 
love one another with brotherly affection. First Peter 4 says, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. And Hebrews 10 says, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So scripture is clear that we are to gather together to love one another, encourage one another, and to stir up one another to love and good works. Exactly how we are to do those things is something that God leaves up to us as long as we carry his heart. Each local church fellowship will have a different approach when it comes to expressing love. That's good because Father God loves to see the creativity of his children. Number three, God's heart for the church is that we worship together. Praise and worship should always be a part of our daily lives as individuals, but there's something so powerful about worshiping Him as we assemble together. Here are a few examples of what the Word has to say on this topic. Ephesians 5 says, Be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. And that's all in the context of gathering together as the church. Acts 2 says, And day by day, attending the temple together, praising God. So it, it was something they did together. 1 Corinthians 14 says, What then, brothers, when you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Number four, God's heart for the church is that his people come into increasing maturity. It is God's desire that his children grow up. Just as an earthly father desires to partner with his adult children, so Father God desires to co-labor with his sons and daughters in his work. Ephesians 4 says, What is the process that God uses to mature us? He uses apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, which we call pastors, and teachers. Ephesians, that's from Ephesians 4.11. So operating primarily through the local church, the purpose of the fivefold ministry gifts is to first equip believers for their ministry. Next, it's to build up the body of Christ, fostering unity, the knowledge of Christ, and maturity. And it's also to reprove, rebuke, and exhort with all patience. That's from 2 Timothy 4.2. Probably not a something that people like hearing, but it, it is in the Bible and it's the heart of God and sometimes we do need to be re- reproved and rebuked and exhorted, but it's nice when the person doing the reproving has, uh, is being patient and kind in that and um, so there's a tempering there, but it's still sometimes things need to be said and that's helpful so why should we assemble together as a church? One reason is so we can be equipped, built up, and occasionally even corrected Since we all have blind spots, this should be something that we welcome. All right, let's talk about the work of the church. God loves people through his church. He sends his sons and daughters into the world as change agents, demonstrating his goodness. In Matthew 5, Jesus said, You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall it be made salty again? How shall it be the saltiness be restored. It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. 
A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So specifically, how does God want to use his church in the world? First, he wants to use his church through purity. And there's a number of scriptures that go together with that. Matthew 5.13, Ephesians 5.27. He also wants to use his church through the church's good works. Matthew 5.16, Ephesians 2.10. God's sons and daughters must be separate from the evil system of this world. That's from 1 John 2.15-17. Separate from the evil system of the world, but not isolated from people in the world. So in the world but not of the world. Jesus was the perfect example of what he taught. He never yielded to the temptation. Yet he often mixed with people who were looked down upon by the religious leaders of his day. The good works he accomplished, he expects us to do as well. Here are some examples of good works he would have us do in his name. John 14, Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Mark 11 says, Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. 1 Corinthians 12 says, To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. Matthew 10 says, Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. You received without paying, give without pay. We are presently seeing a great outpouring of the Holy Spirit on God's people in the world like never before. God is preparing his church for a final great harvest, like it says in Joel 2. And it came to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your old men will dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. All over the world, the Holy Spirit is coming in power in his church. Wherever the glory of God comes, people are being healed of incurable diseases right now. New limbs are suddenly appearing. The blind are seeing, the deaf are hearing, and the dead are being raised. Right now, in this, in 2020, those things are happening. All right, let's talk a little bit about how to find a healthy local church. For those of you that are on a quest and haven't found a church yet, here's a little help for you. Not sure what a healthy church looks like? Here's some questions to ask about each church you visit based on an article entitled 10 Signs You're in a Healthy Church. Uh, Here's the question to ask. Does the church produce new leaders? Number two, does the church help members crave meat and not milk? Number three, is the church devoted to prayer? Four, do members of the church serve with joy? Five, does the church have members who resolve conflict in a healthy way? 
Six is the church made up of people who appreciate the past but look forward to the future. Seven, do members confess their sins to God and one another? Eight, do members give cheerfully? Nine, do members bear one another's burdens? Ten, are strangers welcomed in the church? And some other thoughts we would add would be, be sure the church's essential doctrines are biblical. Read their statement of faith online and compare each point to scripture. Secondly, check the government of the church. Does one man do it all, or is there an eldership that makes the decisions? Who is overseeing the eldership? How much accountability actually takes place? And thirdly, is the Holy Spirit welcome in the church? To what degree? Discover how the gifts of the Spirit are operating and how they are governed. And the scripture on that is 1 Corinthians 14, 26-40. So once you find a healthy church, put down roots. Don't bounce around from church to church. Need roots in one local church where you can grow, and it takes a number of years to grow relationship in that particular church. So it's going to take some patience. There are healthy churches out there, but there's no such thing as a perfect church. That's because there's no such thing as a perfect person. Be prepared to weather the storms that will come. When problems arise, communicate with leadership. Don't just leave without first trying to work things through. Remember that unity is what Jesus is looking for. Foster it any way you can. So let's pray right now about um, the church and about our, our role and our part in it. Father, we just thank you that you've called us to be, um, as believers, part of a church and that you want to put us in a church and that you want us to um, grow and become mature in that church and that, yes, there's a building and we're all part of maybe helping with that, but the church is the people in the building. I actually thank you, Lord, for the little game my mom used to play with me as a kid. And it was just a little hand game. Here's the church, here's the steeple, open the door, where's all the people? And here's the church, here's the steeple, open the door, look at all the people. <laughs> so I don't know if that's something, but anyway, thank you, Lord, that the church is people. People that love you, people that are gathered to worship together. And we just ask you to give us the correct view of, um, of the church, in Jesus' name. Um, Lord, we just thank you that, that each one of us, when we come together, has a gift to give. And um, that if we're not there, that gift is missing. So I just pray that you would begin to show us the gift that we, we can bring to one another to help us encourage and um, build up and edify and bring hope to each other as we gather together. So thank you that you are calling from the north, the south, and the east, and the west, those who are yours to assemble together in Jesus' name. And next we're going to pray for grace to forgive past hurts, especially past church leadership. And if you've been a leader in a church, maybe you need to forgive some of the people that have been in your church. So it's a two-way thing. It's not just one way that we have to just forgive the leaders, but we have to get, forgive the followers too. 
Um, so Lord, we just pray right now that you would bring a spirit of reconciliation and forgiveness to us, that we would forgive those um, that have led us maybe wrongly, or um, and then those that um, we have led that have said things or have brought division and disunity by words spoken. So we just pray right now that there would be a forgiveness and a release and that you would begin to heal the wounds, Lord. Thank you that there is there is healing being released right now over people, that they don't have to hold on to those things anymore, that they can reconnect and find a place to grow and mature again if they've been disenfranchised or been wounded, that they can reconnect into a healthy church. In Jesus' name. And the next thing we're going to pray about, we're going to pray for those who are currently looking for a healthy church in their area. Um, Lord, we just pray that you would begin to reconnect people to a healthy church. And we just thank you for all the churches. That There's no perfect church out there, but there are things that we can agree upon and that you want us to grow as the body of Christ in our areas. And you know where we should worship and you put the lonely in a family. So we just pray that anybody that's lonely right now or is feeling disconnected, that you begin to connect people and that friendships would grow just like a spiritual family, it would just grow and mature in each person's life. And that there would be um, just a blessing as people come in. Those new people bring such joy um, because they bring their own special uniqueness into the church. So we just thank you for each person that's starting to reconnect now, that there would be just a, just a blessing over their lives, that they would begin to see the blessings the tangible fruit of being connected into a body that brings life to them. So we just release that right now. Just bring connections. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for each church in our area that they're doing their part on the, they're doing their part. They're doing different things and they have different callings and different ministries, but the, the same Jesus, the same Father, the same Holy Spirit. So help us focus on the majors and and put us in the place that you would best would best um, suit who how you created each one of us. In Jesus' name, Amen. Thank you, May. So for more information on this and other topics related to marriage and family, you can visit our homepage. That's stewardshipandromance.com slash resources. Stewardshipandromance.com slash resources is where you'll find the podcast recordings and their show notes plus lots of other things and if you're listening while you're driving right now no worries when you stop go to the show notes for this episode in your app or go to the directly to the website that i just mentioned click on the show notes for episode five and you'll find everything you need an outline for this teaching a link to the book The Unshakable Kingdom and The Unchanging Person. And you'll find other books and articles as well that will help to be very helpful as you continue your study of this important topic. And you'll also find our contact information so that you can tell us what God is doing in your life. 
Thanks for sharing this episode with your friends. Our motto is based on John 14, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So let's say that together by the Holy Spirit, I can do it. One, two, three. By By the the Holy Holy Spirit, Spirit, I I can can do do it. it.